Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Brett Caltharp. Brett, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely. So kick it off. Tell listeners who you are and where you're from. Sure. So for those who don't know me, my name is Brett Caltharp, and I'm currently the Director of Agent Engagement for MoxieWorks. MoxieWorks is a prop tech company that we currently have about half a million agents on our platform and growing. Uh, we offer a variety of different technology solutions at a brokerage level to agents across the country. Uh, prior to that, I have a pretty varied background. I was Director of Industry Outreach at Zillow, uh, worked at Realogy at the brand level, and then uh, ran Remax brokerages in the US and Canada. So about 20 years in and uh, always happy to talk shop. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to talk shop today. MoxieWorks has a, a huge suite of products and you know we'll, we'll dive into that in, in just a minute here, but what got you into the real estate industry? What was your you first know, experience or like exposure to it that, that it really was, inspired you to join? Like a lot of people, it was kind of an accident, to be honest. I, uh, I had, you know, I was going to school for business and I started on the accounting side. So I actually, I worked for a luxury property management company in Longboat Key, Florida and did that for a few years and then uh, ended up joining a REMAX group in Southwest Florida uh, and started as basically just the comptroller running the books. And then it was your traditional kind of husband and wife shop. And uh, they decided they wanted to sell real estate, not really run the office. And so I took over the reins and ran that and we we're off to the races. So, I mean, it's, I got in at 2004. So I had a good year two good years and then the market crashed. And, you know, it's funny, my dad always, uh, I'm a lifelong musician and, you know, he's like most dads and said, you know, yeah, I love that you're doing the band stuff, but, you know, make sure you concentrate on your career. You know, it's, you're really going somewhere with real estate and then the market crashes. He's like, you know, Brett, you always wrote really good songs. Uh, you might want to pick <laughs> up that last ball again. So, so I had uh, a number of challenging years, but uh, we got through it and I just kind of never left. It was one of those careers that I found a niche that I really loved and I just stuck with it. And I'm really happy I did. It's been a really great ride so far. Yeah. Great story. I have a music background as well. Cool. I, I uh, went to school for music production after college. So I, oh, nice. I first, first went to college for you know business management marketing. And then after... I was extremely inspired. Music has always been there for me in, in a, a really special way. So I wanted to learn how it was made. And I took a one-year certificate through a, a music production school, which gave me a foundation to be able to then communicate with the modern-day music production software. Um, so my, my software choice is Ableton. Yep. And That's I now I am like, oh, awesome. Yeah, and so <laughs> I'm now uh, seven years in as, as a producer spending time on Ableton. And actually a part of my agency's uh, branding offer is to create a custom jingle. Oh, and that's cool. Yeah, so I, I'm able to kind of, even in my real estate side, I realized there is this need for branding. And then a key of branding is the audio that is constantly played and triggering memories. And I was like, I could write jingles. So yeah. that's been that's been a cool little crossover there. Um, uh, I project it. I'm working on right now. Yeah. So no, you can't see it, but I literally have a Novation keyboard below me. I've got two guitars hanging on the wall uh, behind this. 
Uh, I've got my Scarlet interface fo by focus right over here. So yeah, I uh, played rock bands most of my life and had production deals and got to play with bands that you've probably heard of and work with producers you've probably heard of. And then I got old and too busy with real estate. So now I just do it for fun. So yeah, I have a home studio that I use Ableton and then uh, I swapped out all my guitar amps for a product called STL Tones that does some really incredible guitar amp modeling. So I just write music for fun now, but uh, I'll have to remember that if I need a jingle. Uh, I, I've always thought that that was really uh, an interesting part. And it's funny, actually, a lot of my real estate journey has been fueled and informed by managing the band, uh, social media, the ability to build audiences, the ability to build relationships and, and just figuring out where there might be an opportunity in a market that you can fill that need either with yourself or somebody, you know, so, you know, I joke about it, but it's, it's amazing how much 15 years of playing in rock bands has helped my real estate career. And a lot of times in moments that I wouldn't have expected it. So I mean, now I couldn't I've swapped the guitar out for a PowerPoint clicker, but uh, you know, it's still <laughs> fun. It's still fun. Hey, I couldn't agree more. And you know, I, we'll, we'll dive into real estate here in a second for all my listeners, but you know, since <laughs> we're on the topic of crossover, my, early days of promoting shows and events in college taught me social media, how to write catchy headlines that were like thinking about the actual viewer of the headline and what they're experiencing at that time and what would, what would catch their attention during finals week. Right. And, and what would, you know, what was going on right now in the market where I could write an organic post and get 400 likes and shares with no ads and get, you know, hundreds of people to show up to an event with just a Facebook event and organic stuff like that early experience in 2009, 10, 11, when Facebook was really just blossoming, I mean, that taught me how to then transfer that into running a digital marketing agency. And at that time, I had an early experience as a real estate investor. So it was like, I'm going to help real estate agents. And yeah, it, all, it all transferred over, right? So yeah, yeah like it's, all of our experiences shape works. us. Oh, yeah. for sure. And, you know, and as often the case with real estate agents, you know, you come into a market and there's already two, three, four, five established big dogs, right? And we were from a smaller town in, in Florida. And so we're trying to get shows against bands in Tampa and Orlando and up in Tallahassee and Miami. And so we had to be the best managed band. We had to have a professional web presence. We had to have a professional social media. You know, we didn't record in our friend's basement. We went into the best recording studios we could afford because, you know, I'm not a huge fan of fake it till you make it in real estate, but it absolutely worked uh, for music. So, you know, again, I think just having a voice, figuring out what that voice is, finding out what you're unique, what's unique about you, and then not falling in that trap that says, well, this band did X, Y, and Z, so now I have to do X, Y, and Z, because then you're always following the ball. Um, I think that's it was a really early lesson on authenticity that, you know, you're not going to sound like everybody else and everybody's not going to love you, but that's okay. But if enough people love you and you do a good enough job uh, keeping those folks happy, you're probably going to be pretty successful. And it, it translated beautifully. So, yeah, it's uh, always good to meet a, a fellow rock star, Jeffrey. So I love it. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, Brett. I'll send you so... some plugins after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've spent like over 10 grand on software and plugins for music. I mean, any free ones, I'll take it. <laughs> I just send all my checks to Arturia, man. That's what I do. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I have an ongoing account with Bill with Sweetwater. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a Sweetwater, Sweetwater guy yeah. named Cliff, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so. yeah. Too funny. So 
when it comes to Moxie Works and you know now talking about real estate and either an agent or a brokerage that wants to grow in their market against some big dogs, like what are some of the the key services? Let's narrow it down to three because I saw like thirty on the site. Yeah, <laughs> but but let, let's let's do like three core aspects of of the Moxie Works platform so that a listener who's never even heard of this can can have some understanding. I think so. We have a lot of integrations. We work with uh, coming up on about a hundred different partner companies, and so that really, if you go to the site, it can seem overwhelming. But at its core, we really have six main products, and I think the three that I've seen really drive the needle uh, is Moxie Engage, which is our CRM presentation software, or pardon me, CRM productivity software, uh, Moxie Present, which is our presentation software, and then uh, Moxie Impress, which some people, if you were with Remax uh, Imprev, that was four. Formerly Improv, we actually purchased them two years ago, each for different reasons. I think to me, the piece of software, and while I was attracted, I'd never worked for a prop tech company. I'd, like I said, I've been at Zillow, I've been at Brands, and but what I really liked was number one, it was born out of real estate. You know, the company was founded 10 years ago as basically the technology wing of a large independent brokerage. And they built a product that was good enough they could spin it out and offer it to other, other companies. And so I thought that was really powerful. The other thing was uh, the productivity system was very sphere-based. And it was funny because I got a little bit of heat when I joined MoxieWorks because I was director of industry outreach at Zillow before. So they're saying, oh, you're going from internet leads to, to sphere. But you know, the best agents in the country that I worked with who work the Moxie that with the Zillow leads, they already had their sphere hired down and, and nailed down. And so I loved the fact that a lot of those sphere-based methodologies that we know year after year, NAR tells us, practical experience tells us, relationships tell us, really help move the needle for brokerages. I love the fact that that was a big uh, influence, right? I think the other thing that I really liked about all the products is because it's cloud-based, because it's kind of an open platform, you're not totally beholden to use all of the suite of products that we have. You might really like this product, but you might have a different uh, CRM that you love, or you might be using a different uh, marketing company. Uh, you know, somebody like yourself, might, they might be using that, which is great. So what we try to do is like, look, let's make all the data flow between all the different products. And we have really high engagement rates from agents. And what I think is really cool about that is actually a lot of times our technology partners see their engagement rates actually go up as well. So, you know, if you're a real scout brokerage or if you have buy side, you know, because of our integrations with those guys and other companies, we actually see that not only they use our products at a high level, but they'll actually, because it's easier to use now, it's all in one kind of beautiful ecosystem that we find the other products get a lot of engagement too. So I was really, after rolling out a lot of different technology in 20 years, uh, and again, at a brokerage level, at a brand level, I really fell in love with this suite of products. And then when I saw the results and the engagement, boy, I was hooked. So um, I think we I think we have something special and uh, there's some really great things coming ahead. That's awesome. And I, I like how a brokerage or an agent can pick and choose what they'd like to use from MoxieWorks, but then plug in what they're already using because having overlap is is never something that you want. You don't want to be paying for two things that do the same thing. And the engagement is also important. How many times do brokers or team leaders introduce a CRM that their agents don't use? For sure. Right? And, yeah. and so having really high engagement in the tools is a testament to how user-friendly they must be and how good the support is. Because yeah, well, honestly, yeah. when I look at just 
before you <laughs> but before you go uh, no, i'm agreeing with you the the uh reviews when i read reviews and do market research the worst reviews like the one stars are support was terrible i called in couldn't get a hold of someone that got back to me two weeks later and difficult to use da, 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 da. so that tells me that you must have quality support and an easy to use product yeah and i think uh you know one of our mottos is that we create uh, technology that agents actually like to use. And I think because we're born from real estate, we have a lot of real estate folks that work within the Moxie Works. You know, we're never going to look at a competitor and say, well, they have 14 pink buttons there, so we need 15. Uh, you know, it's not pieces of flair like in office space. It's, will this help an agent be more productive? Will this help a brokerage to recruit and retain agents, uh, you know, be able to better articulate their value prop? So we're very methodical in terms of where we make changes, where we make improvements, et cetera, you know, to the point if something does go wrong, which of course it never does, but if it does, we've got a 98% customer satisfaction rating for folks that have been through the support process, uh, which I think is huge. But for me, what really caught my eye was we have a 97% retention rate. And it should be said, you actually, as an agent, can't just go out and get MoxieWorks. It's only sold at a brokerage level. Um, so you have to be with a brokerage or now a brand that offers the MoxieWorks tool. So we just did a deal with Realogy. So now if you're with a Realogy brand, you either are getting it or sometime next year, you will get these tools. But we have a 97% retention rate. When I think of all the different types of technology that myself and broker friends of mine and people have run offices, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, a joke, you know, like the drummer and spinal tap, you know, it's, oh, well, what technology you're going to use for the next 18 months? And then you switch and go to a different one because the last one didn't work and you had a 10% engagement rate or whatever it may be. So the fact that companies that work with MoxieWorks, stay with MoxieWorks. That was kind of my first clue that, wow, there's something special. And then when I got in and used the tools, I really enjoyed it. So, you know, I was very involved while at Realty and technology rollouts and working with brokerages across the country to help them to achieve their goals. But a lot of that was also, how do we better embrace technology? How do we better use the brand tools are being provided? It was a constant struggle. You know, we can't tell uh, agents what to do. We can tell brokerages very nicely, we suggest you do this. And then the brokerages tell agents very nicely, we suggest you do this. And so it's sometimes pretty tough to, to drive it. So I think, uh, you know, being with a company that we're known for those high engagement rates, and we've got the studies and the case studies to back up the difference we can make in a company, that's really what drew, drew me to it. Because ultimately, that's why I do what I do. So I like to help people make a difference in their business, whether it's a personal business or their brokerage business. And now I'm able to kind of marry the intellectual side of that and the strategic side of that with the technology to back it up. So um, it's a really good fit, I think, for a lot of companies that are looking for solutions. Wow. So I want to bounce something off you. You mentioned the sphere of influence and that when you, you moved over, a lot of people that were in your network said, oh, you're going from internet leads to SOI. And I want to bounce a product off of you that we have that I'm curious of your your uh, interest in the sphere of influence power here. So mm -hmm. when you go fly out of town, maybe you're going to go fly home for the holidays or something, whatever airline you choose, do you add it to your mobile wallet on your phone? Like you add the pass to your mobile wallet? Uh, traditionally, yeah. Yeah. Traditional. So there's also companies that use that as a reward system. And you can have some kind of card and, you know, get points at a restaurant or whatever and then get free things. Well, there's a lot of benefits to it because you know how you get close to the airport and it pops up on your lock screen. 
Yep. And Constantly. that's pro that's proximity yep. based, right? They know that you're that at the location and they sent you a notification. And then maybe it's uh event based. You have a, a ticket through Ticketmaster to a show mm -hmm. and it's coming up day of the show and it says, Hey, you know, the show is tonight, or there was an update to the venue or something, they send it to your lock screen, right? Well, part of what my agency does, we do prospect, nurture, retain. So we help generate the leads, we help nurture the leads, and then once they're converted into a client, we then help retain them. And our digital retention tool is Real Estate Rewards. We actually create a custom mobile wallet pass for each brokerage that we work with, and they can then use that as the client appreciation party ticket, as well as send push notifications directly to their lock screen based on location, time, or you know, if they just let us know, hey, we're doing a quarterly update, we can just send it out. So in terms of the tools that are out there today, I haven't seen anything like this. And the ability to skip, you know, SMS text and email is very interesting because with additional carrier restrictions and spam filters, mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to go straight to the lock screen on their phone. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that, that digital product as a retention tool? It's funny you mentioned that. I, I actually just downloaded an app that does that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I actually really like it. And one thing I've actually, when I've worked with larger brokerages, one thing I've mentioned quite often was I never really understood why more of them didn't create as a retention benefit for agents, that sort of thing. You know, go around town and say, look, I got 650 agents that I would love to send to your business. So how about my agents come here and get a discount on fitness or get a discount on dry cleaning or car washes or all the stuff that agents typically are looking for, you know, childcare, whatever it could be. And I've always been kind of surprised that people don't really do that. And conversely, if you have a large sphere of influence as an agent, I have seen people use things like points where it's like, hey, if you give me a review, get this many points, and then we have a party and you can win prizes and that sort of thing. But I think the idea of it being push notification based and location basis is, is uh, I think you're solving a sticky widget, wicket there. I think that's a really smart idea. And I think if you can, as an agent, use it to continue to add value, you know, it's, it's kind of like the law of reciprocity, you know, back in the day, it would be, if you have a local home show, they'll give you a thousand tickets to mail out to your sphere. And then you pay them a buck for everyone that comes through. Um, mm -hmm. Again, playing in bands. When we played at uh, Hard Rock Live at Universal Studios in Florida, they gave us a thousand tickets and said, go pass them out or sell them or do whatever you want, but we'll pay you a dollar for every ticket that came through. And sometimes you get lucky. We played one night, the same night as Casey and the Sunshine Band. And my band was called Code Sunshine. So we had over 900 people show up and then go, who the hell are these guys? Um, but we still got paid. But I've seen yeah. agents use that for things like, hey, there's a new coffee shop. Hey, if people bring in this code for my postcard, will you give them a free cup of coffee? I'll pay you for every one that you get. So I think adding value consistently after the sale has continued to be an issue for a lot of agents. And I think that's mm -hmm. a pretty great way to, um, you know, tackle yeah. that problem. So absolutely. No, I, and I talked about that exact concept on a podcast last week. So many agents, they are high touch, high touch, high touch. And then the moment the sale occurs, they're gone. <laughs> I call it and, the monkey and, bars approach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's that analogy? The monkey bars approach. 
Well, it's just you swinging from deal to deal and you hope that your feet never touch the ground, right? Um, so no, <laughs> right. I, I think that that's a, another problem, especially now with COVID. People are desperate for connections. So if you're working right. in, t- in these crazy markets that we have across the country and you're super high touch and you're talking to somebody every other day for three months and then the next time I see your face after closing, it's on like a calendar that shows up in January, that's not very good, right? So I think... Being creative with how you stay touch and uh, stay in touch and add value is a critical component of really any agent's business plan these days. So, sounds like yep. you found a pretty cool technology way to handle that. So, kudos Absolutely. to you, sir. Absolutely, thank you, thank you. I, no, I was curious about that because your your experience now with MoxieWorks involves SOI. So, ah, really appreciate yeah. that insight. Well, that's one of those things that we would build into the productivity system, right? So it's like, you know, hey, you've had your closing. So every stage of the funnel essentially gives you a new task list. And then you as a brokerage can create an Uber task manager, but it may be, hey, send a gift from Loop and Tie or hey, send them, you know, sign them up for your uh, agent rewards loyalty program. You know, it's, it's, we try to be that manager, you know, peeking over that agent's shoulder when you can't be to say, hey, you've now done this. Here's what you should do next. Here's what we suggest you do next. And then it seamlessly integrates with your calendar. And so just, you know, I've got ADD, which you probably figured out 15 minutes ago. But (laughs) if I don't do that kind of stuff, if I don't write down things or have that kind of process, it's really easy uh, to get overwhelmed. And I think with an agent where every day is different, um, having that discipline cooked into whatever technology you're using is really a helpful tool. And I think that's part of the reason why our engagement is what it is. Yep, I, I agree. And I, I want to switch topics now. So I want to focus on the future of the industry. You right. had a unique experience to work at Zillow. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> I did, yeah. so I'm I'm curious, you know, so many agents are uh, fearful of Zillow and, and what Zillow has become, and others are now seeing Open Door and OfferPad and mm-hmm. other companies come in from the iBuyer standpoint. But then Zillow just retracted a lot of their their eye buying um, that was occurring, and so I'm just curious, you know, with your experience, what are your thoughts on, you know, the maybe five to ten year projections for the sure. industry? What's what's the real estate transaction going to look like in 2030? Well, I think uh, you know I came into Zillow at a very interesting time. I took over for Jay Thompson, who had always been the Zillow guy. You know, and what a lot of people see is basically you're a public face for the company. You're there to answer questions on social media, take your share of arrows, and basically tell the industry what you're doing and why. What people don't see is that a lot of what Jay did and what I had the opportunity to do is also be that real estate voice within those walls. You know, be in development meetings and be working with different teams within the building to say, hey, this is what brokers and agents are telling us they're looking for. And when I started there, uh, it was right before they switched how they gave out leads, right? Because they did a huge study and they found that the vast majority of Zillow leads that were getting emailed out to agents were never responded. Uh, nobody ever responded. Mm. And the problem for Zillow Sounds was- like leads I send from yeah, an agency. Right? <laughs> and, and the problem is they don't blame, you know, the Joe Bob agent from certain company, the consumer blames Zillow. Right. Because it's like I filled out a form and it, you hear agents all the time say, oh, well, you know, they meant to contact the listing agent. Well, Rosillo did a study and they found that the number one answer for who, who did you think you were contacting when you filled out the form? Number one was Zillow. Number two was I don't know. I think it was something like 13 percent was the listing agent. So, you know, no comment beyond that. But right, right, right. What, what Zillow realized was we have to do better by the consumer 
to give them a better experience or they're going to go to other websites. I won't name them Redfin, but they'll go you know, to a Redfin or a realtor or somewhere else and do the search. So, you know, then we started doing the, the handoffs, right? Where it's, we get somebody on the phone, we connect them to an agent live on the phone to the handoff. So big change. What did we realize? Well, we need, realized we needed more human intervention, right? Then Zillow Offers comes. Uh, I was there when we bought the mortgage company. I was there when Zillow Offers really started to roll out. And originally, again, it was, we are going to refer out these leads to usually one team or two teams per market. And they're going to do all the work and they're going to nurture it all. And then we hopefully will have a great experience. But what Zillow found was that they wanted more control of the process. It wasn't as frictionless as they hoped. It wasn't going the way that they hoped. Their solution wasn't, let's create more technology, let's create more systems, although they, of course, have ridiculous analytics. They have incredible technology at their disposal. I mean, the budget that Zillow pays on technology, yeah, it's bar none. But what they realized was, we actually need humans to do this. So, you know, they started having people licensed that were Zillow employees that couldn't go out and sell or do that sort of thing and, and having more of the humans in the process. So I say all that because, you know, I have seen companies deliberately try to remove an agent from parts of the process and it wasn't solo. And what typically happens is that the realize that the consumers have a worse experience. There's a reason why every year the NAR buyer and sellers survey comes out and every year you're not seeing the percentage working with agents go down. It's going up. You know, that, that's contrary to what you hear. So there's a lot of fear out there. There's a, who you got to own your own data and they're going to try to turn you into Uber drivers. And, and certainly there's models out there that fill a need. Hey, I'm out of town. I need somebody to show a property. Who do I know that can go show the property? I'll throw you 25 bucks. You go show it, right? There's, there's models and there's technology that does that. But if you look at who's the top of the mega 1000, who are the top power 500 brokerages? It's traditional real estate. Now they may be virtual, you know, could be an EXP or a Keller Williams versus a Realogy or a Remax. Uh, but you're also still seeing a lot of large independents that are doing it that way. And so, you know, where I always kind of came back to it is, you know, Zillow, I take Rich at his word where he said to the podcast that he saw what Open Door was doing and said, if I don't pivot, if we don't pivot, we're going to be gone. And I know that one of the biggest books in that whole building is The Innovator's Dilemma. And that's what you run into. Okay, we've done really well on this, but if we keep just doing the same thing over and over again, you know, if we did that, Nintendo would still make playing cards. You have right? to continue innovating. Yeah. Yeah. Apple would never have made a phone or an MP3 player, right? So you have to innovate or you die. And so he took a big gamble. And for whatever reason, I left before, you know, I've been gone two years, but they decided, well, this isn't something that we really want to approach. And I was surprised, frankly, when I saw it, because I know what a push it was towards that. I think the model does have legs, but I don't know that it's, I don't ever see it being 30, 40%. You know, I mean, the most aggressive models I saw, 12, 15% of the addressable market. So my message has always been concentrated on the 85% of the business that's out there instead of worrying about the 15% that are either huge investment groups that are buying up swaths of single family homes that you hardly hear anybody talk about or offer pad or, uh, or, you know, I buyers, there's a ton of business out there. And so you can spend your time really worrying about that, 
or you can totally pivot and try to go in a different direction. Or what I see most companies do that they said, okay, cool. You want to have an option like that? I have an option like that. It's called investor clients that I know will buy properties if it fits a certain buy box and otherwise we'll list your property. And that seems to work. I think that we're going to continue to see the agent be involved. But the caveat is, as I think you're going to see eventually a crackdown on the lax licensing standards. I agree with Swanepoel. You know, mm. the number one danger in the danger report was the undereducation of the quote unquote average agent. You know, and it's one of my first bosses told me once, it's hard to soar the eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys. And I respect every person that goes out there and decides, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start a business. I want to do this and that. But, you know, you have to do something like 2,000 hours of college to become a barber or a licensed hairstylist. And you have to pass a 70-hour online course to become a real estate agent. So I think until the licensing standards are improved, until we see more brokerages hold agents accountable to those standards more often than just having that kind of butts and seats model where we'll recruit anybody, quality has to trump quantity. That's a real danger. And so you know, usually a market correction will take care of some of that, which I think we're going to enter in in the next couple of years. But that is my worry is that if, you know, it's like any other business, if you continue to find new ways to delight uh, your clients, you'll be fine. Uh, If you don't, if you learned one way to do business 20 years ago, and you're still doing it every day the same way, that'll work for a while. But eventually, the innovator's dilemma life's going to pass you by. So I think the technology-infused agent who has a great market knowledge, great with relationships, but is also always not resting on their laurels, I think those are going to be the people who succeed. And I think that's why we see the 80-20 or the 90-10. And I don't expect that to change. Wow, that was very insightful. I really appreciate you sharing the kind of back-end experience on the Zillow side, because you're right you know, the agent sees the face of Zillow at that time come into Facebook groups or on webinars and just get a bunch of arrows fired at them. (laughs) But then once that webinar is over or that person leaves that group, they don't see the rest of it. So I really appreciate you sharing like that, that backend side and how, you know, companies other than Zillow and also Zillow itself has attempted to remove agents from pieces of the transaction and then found that it was a worse experience for the consumer. And that's always the end goal is to increase the consumer's experience, which, you know, they have voted. Yes, I like the I'm at home on my couch searching houses experience. Zillow crushed that, right? They have uh, an amazing app that's super user-friendly and they innovated the industry in that way. And I was very honestly curious and fascinated to learn that there wasn't this like uh, master evil plan to, you know, become a brokerage and start doing Zillow offers. It was more like, oh, wow, trend analysis. Look at what Opendoor is doing we need to look at this, right? Yeah. So yeah, there was a lot of really interesting things in that explanation there. And I, I appreciate you sharing, you know, your, your vision for the future and how it, it will still include agents. And sure. my, my vision was always looking at the total market cap of real estate transactions. I would say that, you know, the iBuyer platforms would encapsulate at most 7% and yeah. the other 93% would still be agent driven transactions. So, for sure. so yeah, that was my, my vision. It's like, same message. Why worry about the 7% at most? They're only at like 2%, but why worry about seven 
when you can just worry about really leaning into your clients, really being a local expert, really adding value, and mm-hmm. you're you're not going to go anywhere if if you're doing things right. So, well, and it's it's geographical. I mean, if if I'm in Atlanta and I'm seeing these companies gobbling up properties, yeah, I'd probably have a little bit more of a oh my gosh, what's happening attitude, right? I mean, that's obviously they're not in every absolutely. city, so we don't see yeah, it yeah. everywhere. But you know, at the end of the day. Zillow is killing it in the premier agent business right now. You're seeing revenues go up, up, up. I mean, you know, Daimler's done a fantastic job over there. But why would it make sense to become a brokerage when we're seeing broker margins decrease? And when you're then having to basically try to figure out how to recruit away every agent, if whereas the way they do it now is... I don't want to recruit every agent. I want to find the best teams in each market and I want to work. So to me, they took what I thought was the most logical path forward, which is we don't want every agent. We just want the best ones. And as long as they keep doing a great job for us, then we'll continue. I mean, that's why I love the consumer experience score. You know, before that came about, you basically became a Zillow agent based on the availability on your credit card. Right. You know, how much can I charge? Okay. I want that zip code. Now, if you don't have a good enough score, they're going to say you need to correct it. And then if you still don't, they say thanks, but no thanks. Well, how many brokerages are doing that? You know, how many brokerages send out any kind of surveying after to say, Hey, how do my agent do? And they say, Hey, John, you know, you really need to step up your game. and, And because we have a minimum service standard here that we expect not many, you know, not many. So I think, uh, I think quality control, um, you know, say what you will about Zillow, and there's obviously conspiracy theories everything everywhere, but I will say that the North Star is 100% the consumer. It has been, it will continue to be, yes. Is there customer agents? Yes, because they have the consumers. If they don't have the consumers, then they don't have the agents. So yes, they're serving to two different audiences, but they are hyper-focused on what is the best experience for that person. You know, am I lead or am I person? So I give them a lot of credit for that. And I learned a lot just about the industry in general during that time. Some good, some bad, but uh, yeah, it I was bet, definitely, it was definitely a master's level education <laughs> very quickly, I would say. So that's awesome. Well, is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier? No, I think the one thing that I would mention is. I think going forward, you know, we've it's been a weird last couple of years, right? And the market's doing very well. And a lot of people think it'll continue to do very well. I hope that, you know, the mistakes that I see agents still making is they need to make sure they're spending as much time working on the business as in the business. I think that one interesting point for discussion going forward is where is the next generation of brokers going to come from? Because the average broker is older than the average agent in this country. And I, I, and I wonder how many of the next generation of brokerage owners are now instead team leaders that don't want to have a brokerage, right? So I'm, I'll be, I think it's, that's going to be an interesting thing. And that's been a, a, something we've talked about when I worked at Realogy. It's something we've talked about privately in companies I've worked with is what's the next gen look like? Um, I mean, what's I, yeah. going forward? I, I agree. And I could talk at length about this because shameless self-promotion, I'm an EXP agent. I know I'm I'm a commercial side guy, but EXP and Keller and those types of models are very Mm -hmm. interesting because it allows you to recruit 
and essentially have the benefits of a broker and a team as being a team leader within this mega brokerage. Yeah. But you don't have the overhead, the the desk costs, the the certain things that make being a broker as well as the liability. Oh my gosh. But sure. you know the being the broker being all those negative aspects of it. So I you know I think the future is definitely in teams being team leads and have these these mega teams under these larger cloud-based brokerages that support them but they're a 400 person you know team with no brokerage that's like their personal brokerage they could not even have an office and have 400 people on their team all over the world so oh yeah i think that i think that's definitely the future there's a lot of great i mean obviously i I've known about EXP for a long time. I have a lot of friends who are either longtime EXP agents or, or agents that have gone over. I've known Veronica Figueroa in Orlando yeah. for years. She's blowing it up with EXP. But I've also, yeah. uh, you know, I worked for the number one Remax group in the world in sales in Vancouver. Um, know a lot of people with that brand. Obviously, I've worked at Realogy. Know a lot of very incredibly successful people within Realogy. Uh, exactly. You know, a lot of those top teams in Remax. You know, it's every brand has these wonderful entrepreneurs that want to do something and they bring their unique touch to it. A lot of them learn from each other. You know, they make sure they're in the right room to mastermind because that's one thing I've always loved about real estate is, you know, if you're an agent in Dallas, Texas, and I'm an agent in Minneapolis, you'll tell me everything you do because you don't care. I'm not going against you for a listing. Right. So I love that collaborative nature. I think the other part of the worry of what's going to affect the, I think there's two things that will definitely help also shape the future over the next few years. Number one is oversight. And basically, is there going to be a clampdown on oversight, particularly for the cloud-based companies? You know, if you've got, you know, how many brokers per, how many agents, you know, are they, you know, how, what happens when somebody misses something or we run into problems, right? You know, my rule of thumb was always, we added another manager, broker manager, if we had a hundred agents. So if we got to 200, then we had another one. If we get to 300, we had another one. So it's like scale and scale and scale and scale. You know, is there going to be some sort of new legislation that comes through to really increase the duties for oversight? And I think number two, of course, that everybody's watching is the lawsuits about independent contractor status. Um, You know, say what you will about Redfin, but if, uh, the switch, if something happens and all of a sudden every company has to become an employer, uh, you know, Redfin's going to be in pretty good shape and there's going to be a lot of companies that aren't. So it's going to be really interesting to watch how that all kind of happens. And I know that NAR is on top of it and the brands are on top of it and, and seeing it. And, you know, I try to be brand agnostic because I've had really good experiences with them multiple. Um, but I do like one thing I have seen is you see more people concentrating on business building, not just real estate business building. And that I really like to see. I like to see people who are taking more, they're taking that entrepreneurial mindset. And to your point, I'm not a broker. I don't have to run a brokerage, but I'm running a team. Well, what other things can I do to add to that experience? And so we're seeing people go into different segments of the market to offer up better experiences. And then a lot of them are giving back with coaching as well. So I think that's really cool. You know, as an entrepreneur, the world's your oyster. And so I I applaud anybody who is able to manage the successful real estate business, but then also either address something that's needed in the industry or passion or something in their community that's needed. Uh, I've always, I I think that that's wonderful. Um, You know, they're creating jobs, they're creating opportunities. So I think it's great. Phenomenal. I love it. How can listeners contact you? 
Sure. So I am uh, Jedi Real Estate on pretty much every social media platform, uh, nice. or else I'm unabashed Star Wars geek. And otherwise, I'm on uh, Brett, B-R-E-T, at moxieworks.com. Or I'm also an occasional contributor to Inman News and an Inman ambassador. So, you know, keep an eye on Inman. I do write pieces for them every once in a while. But uh, I always welcome people to reach out, say hi. Of course, I'm on LinkedIn too. But, you know, I always love to know great people in the industry. And I know a lot of people. So I have a lot of referrals that I <laughs> that I love to play matchmaker too. So, um, you know, it, it's always wonderful to meet people. I try to learn from everybody that I work with. So reach out anytime. Phenomenal. Brett Calthorpe, everyone, really appreciate the insights from your different experiences with some of the major companies in the space and now with MoxieWorks. So really appreciate having you on and uh, hope you have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Jeffrey. Appreciate you, man. Have a great one. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.